T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. This is an incredible... We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Busy political year. And in the Chicago metropolitan area, there are probably few races any busier than the one to replace Democratic Congressman Bobby Rush. He's chosen not to run again. More than 20 Democrats are vying to replace him. This weekend, we talk with one of the hopefuls who's also been busy with state business. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this weekend is Chicago State Senator Jacqueline Collins. She's one of the many Democrats running in the 1st Congressional District. She's among the candidates in the race with the highest visibility because of her office and her activism. But her campaign's really getting up to speed only now because of the legislative session. Well, we're going to talk about the campaign and Congress in this half hour, but we're also going to talk about the state budget and the legislation that's come out of Springfield, too. Jackie Collins has been in the Illinois Senate since 2003, but she's been active on the South Side for much longer than that. She got her start in 1983, gathering signatures for Harold Washington in his historic campaign to become Chicago's first black mayor, which we celebrated much of last month. Well, Jackie's also been a journalist and a technician and editor at CBS2. 
full disclosure, she and I have worked together at WBBM as well. Uh, as a senator, Jackie has been a lead on a number of issues like social welfare and gun violence. And, and now she's gotten her law degree, uh, for which I've already congratulated her, but congratulations again. And we are conducting this interview via Zoom conferencing. Jacqueline Collins, welcome. Thank you so much, Craig. Um, well, let's first talk about the first district race. Uh, it, an, an open seat attracts a crowd of candidates regardless, but uh, what is it that makes the first district such a, uh, a coveted prize? Well, I think uh, the first congressional district, you know that uh, before Harold Washington was uh, elected mayor, he was also served as the congressman in the first congressional district. And the first congressional district had a, a, a varied uh, tradition of having the black independent political movement come out of the first congressional district and the representatives of that Dawson, uh, as well as Washington. It was a strong um, uh, avenue or venue uh, for black independent politics. Many of the uh, Blacks that came out of the South had uh, settled in that area because, you know, redlining and, and segregation, they ended up in that community. Uh, but out of that, you had a lot of, you had Metcalf come out of that uh, area as well. So it has a very strong political independent thought uh, coming out of the first congressional district. And if I'm so lucky to be elected, I would be the first female representing the first congressional district. And I, and I pride myself on being a part of that black independent movement that led for Harold Washington to be successful in his mayoral race. But I don't know if many people know that uh, the 83 uh, race was not the first race for mayor for Washington. He first ran in 1977. And I'm proud to say that I worked with um, Georgia Palmer, uh, in doing press for that first run. And so I come out of that tradition of progressive, independent Black thought. Uh, and I would love the opportunity to continue the legacy of Harold Washington in representing the first congressional district. Well, Jackie, um, what do you feel uh, should make you the best choice? In other words, why are you running? Well, I think, first of all, I'm qualified, credentialed, and I have a legislative record. I am not running on rhetoric. I'm running on a legislative record of accomplishment with many of the issues that the first congressional district uh, is facing now. I have passed legislation uh, that really addresses some of those crucial issues uh, confronting the district, whether it's the rise of crime, uh, gun violence, or how do we close the wealth gap between black, brown and white communities? Those are the issues that I'm passionate about and would love to go on on the federal level uh, to push for common sense gun laws, uh, to enable the put pressure on the banks and uh, on the federal level. I've already fought the banks on the state level and I would talk about that later when we get into my legislation, but basically how do we hold these entities, the financial entities, uh, to uphold, make them accountable, to uphold their mission, to serve the communities in which they're located. So those are some of the issues that I would love to take on the federal level. Since I was one of the chief co-sponsors of raising the minimum wage uh, in the state, I would love to take on that battle 
uh, on the federal level, we must raise the federal minimum wage as well to help these hardworking uh, families. Now, the competition in this race, uh, you know, we said more than once what a crowded field it is, and it is really, really crowded. But uh, the competition includes a Chicago alderman, the head of an educational nonprofit, one of the Reverend Jesse Jackson's sons and the former head of the city and county workforce development agency. And that is a candidate who was endorsed by the incumbent himself and several community activists. How does someone rise above the pack? in in a crowd like that i mean how did how can voters make an intelligent informed decision i think it's always important to get your message out i think people would align with anyone that has a message of uplift of hope and really what that entails is fundraising right uh, the monies that are raised in various campaigns are very necessary. Unfortunately, I believe in campaign finance reform because I think money plays too much of a role uh, in elections. But the fact and the reality is you have to get your message out. You have to introduce yourself to the constituents, especially in the areas where you're not known. Now, right now, my the district that I serve, my senatorial legislative district, represents about 15% of the new first congressional district. So hopefully I would have the support, and I believe I will have the support of the 15% of the district already, but I need to get out and meet the people in Will County, for example. This district runs out of Cook County into Will County. That's where you need to go out and um, make your uh, share your record of achievement and your accomplishments. And it's really about building, building those relationships as you move forward to move around the new district of the first congressional district. You know, after every uh, census, we have a remap, right? And so the first congressional district is new, even, even if Congressman Rush wanted to retain his seat, he has new areas, new regions in this new first congressional district. And that makes it a very diverse, uh, it's sprawling. I mean, it goes almost down to Kankakee, not quite. Uh, and uh, it goes out into the suburbs. Um, how do you address the various issues in those areas as well? Because you're going from urban to, to suburban to rural. Yes, and I think that's one of the advantages I have as a state legislator. Um, you know that an automatic uh, office usually has 60,000 constituents. In my legislative district, I have 210,000 constituents. And I believe once you move on to the congressional level, it's like 720 a thousand. So right now, the district that I represent as a state senator really mirrors uh, what I'm confronting in the first congressional district. That is to say, I represent an urban area, a suburban area, and rural. So now my legislative district goes out of the city of Chicago. So I have a little bit of West Inglewood, Ashburn, Auburn Gresham, uh, but I also go out of the city now to the suburban area. I have a little, portions of Oakland, Hickory Hills, Justice, Worth, Bridgeview. I go all the way over to LaGrange Road. So in that um, makeup, I do already sort of replicate what the new first congressional district looks like, urban, core, suburban, and some of the rural areas that I will find in Will County. Now you talked about uh, needing to get your message out. 
how is the fundraising going? Because it has to be fundraising has to be quite a challenge when you're also trying to pass a state budget. So I, I, I know that uh, you may be not you know, the machinery may not be running at full speed or wasn't running at full speed during the early part of the year. Well, I had a, I had an obligation as the state senator to fulfill my responsibilities to my constituents. So I was late in getting into the race. And so I am involved now, once we're um, out of session, I'm involved now in fundraising. So you'll find myself, which we all, all the candidates probably understand, spending at least 40 hours almost a week in fundraising. Um, and basically I'm building my support base, uh, building uh, the monies that are coming in to fund this campaign. So I'm cautiously optimistic, but very optimistic that I'll be able to reach my goal in raising. I'm looking to raise at least 400,000 for this race uh, going forward and on my way uh, to achieving that goal. Uh, but again, if in if I make it to Congress, which I intend to do, I will definitely be pushing for campaign finance reform. Yeah, because really it takes a lot of money to run for a race. Some, And frankly, we've seen escalation in how much money is being spent, even for some races where you don't think anyone would spend any money, uh, judgeships, for example. Uh, but in order to get television commercials, especially, or even online commercials, it's still really expensive. And, and uh, you know, are you going to be are you going to be visible? Well, I don't think I'm going to be visible as far, as far as on the TV, because the TV rate ads are extremely expensive. I'm basing my campaign basically on getting out, shaking hands, knocking on doors. A digital campaign, social media, uh, basically is going to be the groundwork or the foundation uh, for my campaign. You know, with the millionaires running now in the government race, <laughs> in the governor's race, you can imagine what the rates are to try to get visibility on the TV, right? So I'm going to engage a ground game of reaching out to my constituents and my new prospective constituents. I think it's always good to build relationships. And that's going back to what how Harold won, basically, right? It's the relationships. It's knocking on doors. It's getting your name out by uh, relating to the people, listening to them, uh, holding, uh, possibly working with your aldermen. I have aldermen that are in my senatorial district now, uh, having meetings with them, opening the doors for community meetings. That's how you really relate to people and you get to them. And I think they need to see me in the district. And I've always proud of myself in being able to get out into the community. I think you need to be visible to your constituents. So they have the opportunity to ask you the questions that are important to them or share their ideas on the issues that are important to them. To the extent that you've been able to do that up to now, um, what are you hearing from people about what they care about in that district? What they care about, I think, is an issue not only in Illinois, in Chicago, but across this nation is the rising crime rate. And that's indicative of the lack of investment uh, in various communities, especially in the urban core. Uh, I believe that many of the uh, crime uh, activities are the effect and you're not really looking at the causes. And I think if we're really serious about dealing with crime, the crime, criminal element, we must invest 
uh, in the communities. We must offer the opportunities for our youth. We have to put in place preventative programs. I believe basically if you educate a child, they will not pick up a gun and they will not resort to criminal activity because they have a different perspective. They have a perspective of what they could and can achieve, that they have hope right? They see the role models of what can be accomplished uh, when they dedicate themselves to their studies and education. But we need to, especially that's why early education uh, is so important. And I was so proud in this budget that we're going to discuss to increase the funding for early education uh, development by $54 million, putting it at the total uh, uh, allotment is over $600 million. That's what we need to do. We need to invest in our children because we know the primary age of critical development is between zero and three years old. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore. My guest is Chicago State Senator Jacqueline Collins, who is also a candidate for the first district congressional seat being vacated by Bobby Rush. And let's talk some of, some more about that budget, uh, because frankly, that's your day job. And it's what, what you and the rest of the lawmakers have been doing for uh, for so long until recently. And Republican candidates for governor have all labeled the tax relief in that budget, including lowering the tax on school supplies and election year gimmick. What do you say to people who are saying, oh, this is just this is just throwing us some crumbs uh, so that we we come out to vote? What do you say? Well, I'm so proud that we have this governor in leadership and with the vision. So what we did in this budget, we're offering $1.83 billion in tax relief to families. So for those critics that say, well, uh, the, for instance, the, uh, we're suspending the tax on groceries for one year. For families that are struggling, struggling now in the midst of inflation, that is something they'll be grateful for. We only have to look recently when the gas was giving out, where the lines were forming. People might've criticized that, but people are hurting. People are coming out of the pandemic. And a lot of the issues confronting these communities uh, are working families not having the access uh, to some of the um, uh, benefits of, of, of providing for their families. So I would think they are grateful. They will be grateful for any increment of help that can be offered. I think that's what my constituents are saying. They're grateful. They're grateful that we're able to freeze the motor fuel tax for just six months, but at least it's six months. And that's why they were lined up offering or getting the gas uh, recently at three or four occasions that we saw because they are hurting and the, any assistance, any handout, uh, they will be extremely grateful, at least my constituents, the ones that I'm running to represent, they're extremely grateful for anything that we can do on the state level. Um, Jackie, tell me what are some of the measures, you, you mentioned one of them, of course, early education. What are some of the other measures in the budget that you feel are going to have a lasting impact on people around the state? Well, we also, we were gonna see over $520 million for one-time property tax rebates. And what that would equate to is for uh, about 5% of the property taxes paid, most households, households will see uh, at least 
up to $300 uh, per household. And I think that is something they would be grateful for, right? We also expanded, permanently expanded, let me say, uh, the earned income tax from 18 uh, to 20%. That in itself helps those families that are struggling. We also provided close to $685 million for direct rebate checks to working families. So if you make under $200,000, which most of my constituents would fall into that category, they will at least see $50 per individual. And then for families, it would be $100 per dependent, up to three dependents. So these are things I think that uh, all my constituents be grateful uh, to take benefit uh, of. And so if we look at some of the things that I mentioned before that are crucial to uh, putting investment back into preventative programs for our children that are finding themselves uh, caught up in criminal activity, I'm proud to say that uh, with the um, uh, reimagine Public Safety Act, we were able to put in $240 million. Uh, so what that means is that those programs that would allow us to create, oh, it did allow us to create the Office uh, of Fire and Violence Prevention, which also were able to um, call gun violence a public health crisis. So we're gonna be able to drive investment directly to the communities most affected by gun violence. And I think of that uh, amount of money put into the Violence Prevention or the Reimagined Public Safety Act, it would probably be close to $90 million that would fund about 144 grassroots organizations that are actually working now with the youth uh, to give them hope and give them opportunities uh, to find employment. So to include, include youth employment programs, mental health assistance for our youth, um, as for, and as far as uh, employment are during the summer and all year round, they would have youth employment for year round, giving them some hope and opportunity uh, to curtail uh, their uh, belief that they have to resort to carjacking or retail theft uh, to survive. You know, there are there's still a lot of debate over the criminal justice reform measures uh, that are in the budget uh, and in the other bills that have been passed uh, this year. Um, I've heard from police chiefs who are pushing back. What do you say to people who are afraid that amid all of this and amid bail reform, that it's going to end up with more dangerous criminals out on the streets? Because that is the message they're hearing from the critics. Well, I think all we have to do is look back to 1994, when we also had this rise of cry for let's do something, the crime, the, the uh, drug issue. And then we out of that, we had the three strikes you're out that destabilized our communities. We're looking at the effects of that uh, legislation now that, that really destabilized our communities, right? So I think crime is the result of a failure to invest in effective preventative uh, prevention uh, strategies, instead of the failed, lock them up and throw away the key policies of the past. And I think many of the critics wanted to resort back uh, to those uh, strategies that have proven over and over uh, that they do not work. One of the studies that came out of the um, Northwestern, I believe, Law Center have has 
of those studies have proven, the data has proven that that is not the way. You will not be able to incarcerate yourself out of the predicament that we're facing. We need to do more than put additional officers on the streets and build jails, right? We also need to invest in youth violence prevention programs and, and build up our communities, right? Clean up the blight, right? Uh, provide more funding for mental health treatment for victim assistance programs, for prisoner rehabilitation or re-entry jobs to stabilize those convicted of crimes after release. And that's what we've done in this budget with the redeploy, we're funding redeploy uh, program that take those who are formerly incarcerated and allow them to find employment. That's what we're doing, providing the mental health uh, funding for many of our children that are faced uh, with issues maybe in their family or maybe then find themselves homeless. In this budget, we provide that assistance. And so we know that if you lock, let's call him um, uh, that individual that has created the crime or, or uh, conducted criminal activity, let's call him Pookie for a lack of another name. If we take Pookie off the street, very soon we're going to have someone else replace him on the street because they feel that that's the only way for them to move forward in society without gainful employment. So that's why I say you are not going to be able to incarcerate yourself out of this issue. And it's going to take money. Let's deal with the reality. If you're willing to invest, you will see a result. You will have an outcome that will stem the violence, will stem the criminal activity because people have hope. If you look back at history, when we had the Italian and Irish gangs in Chicago in the early 40s, 20s, 30s, the way that they were able to move out of that criminal activity is for them to have employment in the fire department, in the police department. They poured money. It was almost like a Marshall plan. When you invest in communities, invest in your youth, give them hope that stems criminal activity. Let's talk about another uh, issue I know is close to your heart, uh, and that's uh, ghost guns. Uh, and we just had a prime example of it recently. A student was arrested for bringing a self-manufactured, unlicensed gun to Oak Park River Forest High School. Uh, the police action was triggered by a tip. Some Another student heard something and uh, tip them off. This is just one example of the so-called ghost gun problem. How widespread is it and what, what can be done? What is being done? Well, I'm proud to say that I was able to successfully ban all ghost guns in the first legislation in the Midwest, basically. I was able to push forward with the legislation successfully and passing it out. And it goes much further than the executive order, the initiative that Biden uh, announced soon after I had passed my uh, legislation because that basically left those who had in, uh, the guns in private hands uh, were exempt from what Biden did, right? He was dealing with those who manufacture uh, the various guns. If they those guns came in uh, into their view or in their possession, they were able to uh, uh, serialize them, right? But we have so many of these ghost guns in private hands. And so what my legislation did or will requires them to register those or at least get them serialized. Uh, so we can trace them. 
Ghost guns are uh, guns that cannot be traced. So in many of those instances where they find these ghost guns, like in the school, for instance, where the young man had the ghost gun, there's no way to know where he obtained that gun, who last had a possession of the gun. And so there's no way for, it really ties the hand of law enforcement. How can you follow the trail of the gun uh, to find out who is responsible and who can you hold accountable beyond the individual that had the gun at the last uh, uh, execution of that criminal activity. So I was very proud uh, to pass that legislation because what was happening is we'll find many of the youth, especially in the urban core, feel that they need guns for protection, for self-defense. So they go on the website or on the internet and they're able to uh, uh, put together uh, the guns from the various parts that they can purchase on the internet. So that becomes very uh, uh, dangerous uh, for communities, uh, for these young 11, 12, 13, and 14 year olds. They have access to these parts where they can assemble guns. Even the 3D printer guns are the ones that I'm able to hold accountable by the serialization that's required. But isn't part of the problem the, uh, the source? In other words, yeah, it's illegal for them to have them. It's illegal for them to make them. But there's somebody making the parts. There's somebody giving them the instructions for 3D printing. How do you address that? Well, you know, in Illinois, we have a very strong uh, gun restrictive legislation, but we're surrounded by Wisconsin, Indiana. Many of the guns come in from Georgia, right? So that's why it's important to take this fight to the federal level. We're not gonna be able to stop the flow of guns until we do something on the federal level. There's no gun manufacturer in Inglewood. There's no gun manufacturer in Auburn Gresham. Where are these guns coming from? There's a money market out there. People are making money out of the detriment and the dangerous and the death. Uh, that we're encountering in the urban core and across the um, state right now. So that's why there's a necessity to move and to put some restrictions on the federal level to really stop the stem. One of the main uh, culprits in this uh, illegal gun uh, or the guns that they find at many of the crime scenes is Chuck Gun Shop, which is located just right outside of uh, uh, Cook County, right outside, uh, I think it's in Calumet Park or one of the suburban areas. We have found that based on the Tribune uh, study, many of the guns that are found at the scenes of crimes come from Chuck's gun shop. And we need some way on the federal level to stop this uh, infusion uh, in this gun uh, running and gun trafficking uh, in the city and in the state and in the nation, basically. Well, that brings us full circle and that will end our conversation because we are out of time. Uh, I want to thank State Senator and 1st Congressional District candidate Jackie Collins for spending the half hour with us. To our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at WBBMnewsradio.com. There is a link on the homepage. You can also find our podcasts on odyssey.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of that issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, 1059 WBBM. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 